0: we begin with a simple meditation allowing your body to relax and enjoy the conversation which is to come sit comfortably and when you are able to close your eyes place your attention on your breath as you inhale and exhale through your nose With each inhale, drive your breath into your belly, allowing it to expand. And as you exhale, allow the breath to exit with a gentle sigh. One more deep breath in into your belly and a gentle exhale as you sigh. And again, a deep inhale into your belly, allowing for a full exhale as you sigh. As you bring your breath to a regular calm pace, inhaling and exhaling through your nose, allow for a wave of relaxation to wash over your body, finding any areas that may be holding tension. Begin scanning at the top of your head, noticing your brow, your jaw, releasing any tension. Scan your neck, your shoulders, lifting your shoulders up to your ears and allowing them to drop. And again, lifting the shoulders up to the ears and allowing them to drop. Feeling the weight of the world rolling off. As you continue to relax, allow your chest and your upper back to release as you become aware of the beating of your heart in your chest. You may gently place your fingertips on your sternum, feeling the beating of your heart. Chin to chest in gratitude. As you continue to relax, let any tension go from your belly and you may place one hand on your heart and one on your belly, connecting the vibration of these two centers through your hands. Release even further, feeling the weight of your body on your seat as you place your hands on your lap. allow for this wave of relaxation to wash over your legs puddling at your feet with any traces of tension disappearing into the ground continue to inhale and exhale through your nose allowing yourself to relax even further Breathe for another three rounds of breath, and when you're ready, you may open your eyes. Hello, and welcome to the Live Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Paola Atlason, holistic health consultant and healthy lifestyle designer. During the podcast, I will be in conversation with renowned women in service to their community, sharing personal stories and the self-care rituals that keep us grounded let's begin hello everyone and welcome to the live journal podcast this is Paola your host and I'm here today with as I already told him the first and probably the only man that will be on the show but it's it's an exception well worth it Um, bending my own rules. And um, we're here with Dr. Perry, Dr. Perry Nicholson, who is one of those people that you encounter or I've encountered who have changed my life. So welcome to the show, Dr. Perry.
1: Well, thank you so very much. That's that's a really kind introduction. I'm honored to be on the show. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much. Um, The reason why I say that is because I don't remember how I found you. First of all, it, I went through some rabbit hole and found stop chasing pain and go uh-huh. that did some of your recording, um, courses. And then I, I, took one of your, um, intensives, the, the lymph, the lymphatic system one. But the reason why I found you was I was trying to figure out how to resolve pain in my body. Mm. And somehow it led me to you and this understanding that it may not be what you think, but something completely different. And, and, and from I'm going to let you elaborate on that, but who are
1: you? Ask myself that every day, right? <laughs> it's always a self-discovery, honestly. That's a really good question. I get it all the time. Well, what do you do? And I really honestly don't have an elevator speech answer for it because... I honestly do whatever I need to do to help empower another person so they can discover the answers on their own. And and I think I do that by helping them ask different questions or better questions and, and looking at whatever pain and suffering that they're dealing with in a different way, a reframe, if you will. And it's probably important to say that my where my background is from. I, I've been on this planet for about 54 years uh, and, and always learning. But I've been a practicing chiropractor for probably half of that time frame, at least. Uh, but I don't tell people that, oh, I'm a chiropractor, because they automatically go to this file folder of what that means and what it is based on their experience with it, or usually someone else's experience. And I tell them it's probably a safe bet that I don't do anything like what you, you think I do honestly. So it's where I started my journey professionally so that I can launch from a starting position and and do what I do. But I study so many different things about, health or wellness or life and the human condition because i'm a human being like everyone that's listening and we all go through pain and suffering that's just a part of what life is and that usually gives us our greatest um (sighs) request a push for change if you will right like it teaches us something through the discomfort or the pain because it, it forces change. Otherwise, why would you change? If you're comfortable, you don't want to change because it feels good. <laughs> right. That that's why pain is actually very useful.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um,
1: exactly. Yeah. So I, th- I think that I've gathered everything from my own journey and trying to help myself heal. And I just wanted to share that with, other people and maybe one thing that I can teach them can make a difference. Or here's the thing that I've learned is maybe they've, they've, I'm going to say something they've heard before, but maybe they're, they'll hear it in a different way this time, or maybe they're finally ready to accept it or my story or my energy, my way of delivering it clicks. You know what I mean? Like that's what happened to me is that I heard information when I was ready to receive it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I can say the same about you coming into my life because, um, first of all, your Instagram page is Nuggets of Wisdom bombarded 24 hours, <laughs> seven days a week. Yeah, I don't like, get out you know, much. You know, <laughs> every time, every time. And it's like, okay, this guy knows something. Okay. This guy knows a lot of things. Okay. I need to listen to this guy, but that doesn't compare to when I finally interacted with you in real life during your course. And then later on, you actually, um, we did one-on-ones, but it, I feel that what you just described is exactly the, the essence of it all. You have to find people that even though they're telling you the same thing you've heard a million times, they're saying it to you in a way that clicks with you. Mm-hmm. And it has not, it, it doesn't only really have to do with the amount of knowledge the person has, mm-hmm. but the personality, the personal experience that, that they can say it in different ways until it, you know, you catch on with it, that there's a connection that goes beyond just, I mean, you can get knowledge from a book, but the book is not speaking back at you but that there's something about the way that you teach that apart from it being so loaded with so many different disciplines and sources of knowledge you're super charismatic and you know how to describe something in a very simple and direct way and you're like all right i got it and i'm going to do it
1: yeah that's actually really powerful observation that you made there in general about information uh i've tried to study and learn to be a better teacher or communicator and in, in healthcare, of course, but also in, in life be, to communicate with another person. So I've studied the brain and neuroscience and I've tried to learn, okay, I've got all this information, but how can I communicate it to another person? So they understand it. And I learned a long time ago, just because I'm teaching you something doesn't mean you're learning anything. Uh, and information, I learned this from a neuroscientist who's been very influential in my life who who just flipped a switch for me. His name is Bo Lotto. And he said, Information in and of itself is inherently meaningless. It's it's just data, it has to have some meaning behind it. And the meaning comes from us, it, it comes from our story, it becomes of how we deliver it. Because we know this innately. I, you can have the same information read or delivered by two different people and get a completely different experience from the information. Right? I mean, you read how the person's tone of voice is, you can see their authenticity to it. And there's so many things that we're programmed and hardwired for as human beings of where we can just lock in on something and feel it, or you you know it's hard even it's even hard to describe somewhere in your soul that Okay, I just I'm not getting a good energy from this. You feel it around people, right? You can stand next to somebody and you have a connection, and you can stand next to somebody else, you can't put your finger on it, but you call it a gut feeling that you know something is off. And that's our own innate intuition for survival that people have actually stopped trusting and stopped listening to. And one of my things that I've strived to do as a a, a teacher And if I had to say, what do you do? I would probably say teach. And that's what doctor actually means, teacher. That's what it means. And doctors this day, they don't really teach. They just tell you. It's very different teaching and, and telling. Teaching is more about empowerment. Right. And making sure that you you can understand that you have a context of how is this really relevant for me in my life? And then we overcomplicate everything from a standpoint of delivering information because we think it makes us look smarter or appear smarter when we know the information and we're trying to tell it to you. And I realized after learning through teaching that I've had people in the beginning when I was teaching. I would just dump so much information on them and think that was the best workshop ever. And they would leave just numb and they wouldn't know what to do with it. And there it, it wasn't a good experience, but that's how you learn. So I've strived to take information, um, bring my own story to it, my own meaning, who I am to it, but make it simple and applicable and practical so people can say, oh, oh, now I get it. Now I feel like I can do something. Because sometimes you can hit people with so much information, you immobilize them and you terrify them. And you were right. You can get information anywhere. I can type in Google, whatever diagnosis name the medical profession gave you, and you'll see lots of information. And you'll usually go down rabbit holes where you won't end up in a good place.
0: Yes, which is something that's happening all around us where people actually have too much information. And then you're so confused by the amount of information that you're paralyzed and you don't know which way to go. And I feel that to your point, it's one thing that tends to happen is when when one individual has acquired so much information, they seem to forget that when they started, they only knew one thing at a time. So sometimes in communicating what the person knows, they think the more the better rather than be like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to give you one nugget at a time and almost retrace how you learned and the way that you actually acquired all the information.
1: Yeah. More isn't better. Better is better. Yes. And, and you can give somebody a ton of information or things to do. But it doesn't mean there's going to be more benefits for for them or they'll actually do it. I learned that in the world of rehabilitation where it's like, okay, if, if I give you five exercises, if I give you 10, that'll be better. Probably not because, one, they probably are not even going to do the five that you give them initially right? Or it's just, it's overload to the system. And it's just small, what I call L T A S little tiny action steps, little and often over the long haul. And you have to remember that health in and of itself is not an end destination. It's a journey. And a journey means it's gonna, it's gonna zig, it's gonna zag, it's gonna go up, it's gonna go down, it's gonna go, here's my technical term, it's gonna go loopy doopy all over the place. And that's just, part of healing it's it's never a linear process where everything just continually gets better uh, because that's based on context something better is only better if you have it to compare it to something else that's not so good right because it's, it's relative to what you compare it to and here's the thing about the brain is the brain is always trying to establish a new normal that's where what you think you know now, you're comfortable because you know it, but you forgot that you used to not know it. And then that's when you deliver information to somebody, assuming that they they know what you know, and probably not even from basics and fundamentals, which is something I really focus on because I find that. When people are struggling in anything in life, particularly with their body, there's some basic or fundamental that was disregarded or overlooked or minimized that they didn't even think twice about. But that's the building block for everything else. Like I tell people, listen, if you're not sleeping, nothing I do for you is going to work. That's kind of big. So (laughs) I ask how they're sleeping, and if they say they're not sleeping so good, then I have to dig down and figure out why that might be for them. It's the same with hydration. I mean, do you drink water? And if they say yes, I'm like, okay, well, how much is that for you? And they may say one glass. Because if you're not drinking water, you're not going to get better either. I don't care what kind of nutrition program I put you on or what kind of rehab program or miracle diet of the day it's not going to work because you just don't have the building blocks that your body needs of basics and fundamentals to do what it's designed to do, which is always try to heal and recover and regenerate and make you better than you were yesterday. And that's what it does all the time. It, it just needs, it needs the ingredients, what I call the grocery list, the supply list to be able to do that. And if it doesn't have it, it's going to struggle. I tell you, you can't make a cake without cake mix. You you have to have all the ingredients if you want this recipe to turn out. And if you don't, well, well it's probably not going to be a great recipe when it comes out of the other side. Right?
0: Yes, absolutely. I think it goes back to this, um, the way that things are set up, especially in terms of medical and physical care in, in whichever aspect that is where it's so compartmentalized. So mm. I know, you know, you speak a lot about the body being a whole system, right? And and we tend to forget that. We tend, like you're saying, are you eating? Are you sleeping? Are you moving? Are you pooping? Are you drinking water? Like it all counts. For me, my specific issue was that my lower back hurt. And I don't think at any point you had me do anything that had to do with that specific part of my body. But I had seeked support before from people that were only paying attention to that part of the body. And it had nothing to do with 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 that. It had to do with my whole body and how I was actually breathing. had a lot to do with it. But it's this idea that, oh, my finger hurts. I'm going to go to the finger doctor. Or my eye is blurry. I'm going to go to the blurry eye doctor. And it's like, are you drinking water? Are you sleeping? It's like you start with the basics and then you build from there. But I would love for you to share something that really impacted me while studying with you was when you shared your personal story, because it's such a beautiful, you know, example of what you explained in the beginning of how pain and suffering actually lead you to a life of beauty and expansion. And I think we all got very emotional. You, you don't have to go too in depth if you don't want mm-hmm. to, you share as much as you want, but um, I think it's important that people understand how much a person, a human being's personal story can drive them like you to share and change other people's lives.
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. Well, I think it's all about stories. I mean, that's how human beings communicate and learn. It's one of the best tips they ever got. It's not about the information. It's about the story of the information that you tell yourself right? Because somebody can have the same information told to them and two people hear something completely different. It, it's, it's, it's your story and your past and your perception and your assumptions and your biases that influence everything. And that's been based on your prior history or your culture. And a lot of it's stuff that you don't even know is doing it that you, it's not even your own baggage that you're carrying around. It's somebody else's that they threw on you, right? And you're so right about the the systems because that you know the body is one unit. It doesn't know that it has parts. First of all, human beings name the parts. And you know, I always talking the third person of the body, and your body's like, that's great, but I don't even know what a low back is. What are you talking about? So you can focus on an area where it hurts because if it hurts, it's telling you maybe there's something there. And pain is a request for change. To me, it's a request for change in your habits and your behaviors and also where you look. Because if you start where it hurts and it's not getting better, my guess is it's probably not coming from there, assuming that it's not something that's really serious, like you have cancer in your back. But that's why you have to start somewhere and do this normal medical process of um, assessments and evaluations. But then when you do that and you still can't find answers, that's when you have to get into the thick of it, which is listen, talk, and communicate with the human being that's carrying the condition around that's carrying the the tissues around because that's ultimately who you're taking care of. That's why you'll never do the same treatment to two people and get the same results because the body parts are not the same because they got two different stories attached to them. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's why stories matter. And for me, I had to reframe some of my prior pain and suffering. And I did that through the work of my friend, Bo Lotto, who did a quote that really stuck with me. You can't change what happened, but you can change the meaning of what happened. I would like to repeat that one more time. You can't change what happened, but you can change the meaning of what happened. And that's inherently a unique trait of human beings where we can use imagination and we can flip that switch of something that had in the past. And then you think about, okay, well, I know I went through all this suffering, but why did I go through it? And what's the lesson I can take away from it to maybe discover something that I shouldn't do again, or I needed to learn that I can use to help another person who might be going through it. And I think that's what happened to me, honestly, because, you know, I was in healthcare and I was taking care of other people. And I mean, I study a lot of stuff and then I got sick and I, mine was more of a, uh, not so much a musculoskeletal issue, but an immune system issue. Some people might call it autoimmune, which is, which is basically the term they give you when they have no idea why you have what you have, and they blame it on the body for why you got sick. I mean, first Your of all, body's you,
0: attacking you.
1: Yeah. You're just wrong. That's wrong. Um, so it, you need to even reframe that. The body is never attacking you. It's always protecting you. I tell people it's just really doing too good of a job at it is what it's doing. You see how that makes a difference? Mm -hmm. And you always have to ask why it's doing what it's doing. It never does anything by accident. And there's always a reason behind it, even if we don't know what it is, or even if it doesn't make sense to us in our limited capacity to understand it. And I got sick where I started to get infections in the body, almost every kind of infection you could think of. And my immune system was going crazy. And... I was getting really tired and fatigued and lethargic, and I had to go on multiple rounds of antibiotics and medications because I had some infections, and sometimes you need that, and if you take it and it goes away, great. If it doesn't, there's something you need to look at deeper, and unfortunately, the, the route I went down through medicine, like many people, I got worse, and mm-hmm. my immune system shut down even more because of the stress of the treatments. and. People need to remember that even therapeutic treatments are also stressors to the body. And I actually hit rock bottom. I had a mental breakdown, a physical breakdown. Uh, I couldn't teach anymore. I couldn't practice anymore. I was sleeping 17 hours a day. I was always in pain. My memory started to go. I started to develop early signs of Alzheimer's and dementia where I just couldn't function uh and medicine couldn't give me an answer of why because all of my quote-unquote blood work showed up normal and that happens to so many people and if they can't see it on a test there's nothing wrong with you it
0: doesn't exist
1: right because they don't look at the role of emotions and and pain they're starting to come around uh which is which is nice to see but i, I was at uh, a low point and. I actually was very close to giving up and just tapping out uh, because I lost hope. And Mm -hmm. I, I said, I've been studying the body for all these years and I, I can't figure it out. And then the universe has a way of answering things. And I think two or three days after I, I share this story. I don't always share it, but I'll share it. You know, now, I mean, everything changed when I, I hit rock bottom and I made a call to a suicide hotline because I was very close to not wanting to continue. And I knew I needed help when I was driving home and I thought it would be really easy just to turn into that pole. And uh, I made the call and they were talking to me on there and then they helped me, but, and I signed off, but they're obligated to call the authorities if they think you're going to be a risk to yourself. And obviously they did. And I, I, I ended up going home, and then 20 minutes later, two police cars pulled into my driveway and knocked on my door, and that's when my family found out what I did, and that was a heart-crushing thing. And I knew at that point, okay, but you got two choices here. You can give up, you got to fight, and you got you to gotta look for answers because nobody's going to find it but you. You got, you have to change the way you think that's, that's when I realized I got to change the way that I think I got to change my paradigm. I have to change what everybody says is possible or impossible because just because they, they can't figure it out. doesn't mean it's not there because you're never going to find the solution to something. If you keep the same thought process going around in your head, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I knew I needed to try to find something. The universe is crazy like three days later I get a message from a guy I went to chiropractic school with some 20 years earlier. I hadn't heard from him in forever. And he said, I'm going to some course in London and it's about energy medicine and looking about the body and energy. And I'm like, well, why not? What The hell, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I went there. And, and then that's when I, somebody said to me, um, I think I know what your problem is. And I go, what? They go, I think you have a lymphatic system issue. And I went lymph what? (laughs) Like, It's not something that was even on my radar because I didn't have cancer because that's the only time you ever hear about lymph is when you got cancer, when you got what they call lymphedema, which means a body part swells up to 15 times its normal size. So here's the thing with medicine is they don't think there's a problem with something until you have an obvious symptom that shows Mm -hmm. up, right? They don't see the road to it. And. They they checked my lymphatic system. I was like, I was a hot mess. I really was. Everything hurt. Everything was tender. Everything was painful. But the next day, I, I felt initially worse because when they worked it, they released a lot of underlying toxins that were there that were stuck mm-hmm. in the body. But like two days later, I actually felt different. I felt better. I'm like, oh my god, like this is something here. I haven't felt this different in, in by three years. And with a little bit more continual work, I started to feel much better and I'm like, okay, this is something here. And then that was, that was when my life changed because I, I found a big piece of the puzzle that I didn't know about. And I was a mad scientist stuck in my house, just learning anything and everything about that system, but also how it relates to all the other systems of the body. You know, cause that's, that's my passion right now is teaching people how all this stuff works together and looking upstream and downstream from issues that they're outside of where your site of pain is. And I knew I was on the right path when all of a sudden people started to reach out to me out of nowhere with similar issues of chronic pain or it's it's almost like the, the universe was waiting for Perry to come across this stuff because they knew I was going to do something with it and I was yeah. going to run with it. And then that's going to send other people my way so I could teach them. I absolutely believe that in my heart and soul that you turn your wounds into your your work or mm-hmm. your calling. And that's why when I teach this stuff, it's not just information to me. This is This stuff changed my life. It saved my life. And when I teach it, that's how I deliver it. And, mm-hmm. and other people share the similar story after they start doing some of it. And I didn't originally share my story when I started to do it, but a crazy thing happened for me when I got sick. I think I was finally able to, um, um, the vulnerability of that changed me and it, it let who i was inside really come out and not be scared to share my vulnerability or my story and because i was thinking originally okay who who cares about my story because everybody always cares about themselves wrong Mm -hmm. we're we're human beings and we love to communicate and and share and support each other and be there for each other. And I found that when I could share my story, it empowered other people to share their story. And then when you can, there's something very therapeutic and healing about sharing your story with someone else. It's almost like you're taking a a load you've been carrying around on your soul for your whole life.
0: Yes, that you and, offload.
1: And- Does that makes sense.
0: Yes, and I feel like it it helps you connect even deeper to your own story because the power of your own voice, it's not a story in your head anymore. It's something that becomes tangible. And when we're able to be completely vulnerable, it's almost like you crack open and then it makes you stronger because you're like, wow, it didn't kill me. So what what do I do with that? And I mean, your story is, is so... Uh, profound and and beautiful and it's I mean I don't say this lightly you changed my life with the most simple techniques that's another thing when I met you I did I did one course then I did the the two-day lymphatic um and then I'm like I want to book a session with him you know so he can check me out and 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 let's make sure that but by the time I spoke to you by taking the course, I had no pain. So when I spoke to you the first time, which was um, you know, online, I was waiting for the moment where you said where you would say, Okay, come in and I'll take a look. I haven't met you in person because you taught me very simple techniques that I did on my own. So I think that's also very powerful that we tend to outsource our wellness and we go to this person for this and this person for that. And if they're not around, then I'm a hot mess. And you, you do it in such an empowering way because it's like, you didn't even want to not, not want it to me, but you didn't need to, you're like, do this and this. And then the next time, okay, now do the, and it was like, I guess I have I don't have to come see him because I'm fine.
1: Yeah. I love that word empowerment. Right. I mean, cause that's ultimately my, my job is to, Put myself out of work because I don't want people to have to come in to see me all the time. I want them to be able to do it for themselves. That's why I love being a teacher and why I travel. Because if I stand in front of a room of a hundred people, that's very powerful as compared to just one on one with somebody. I love to do both, and that's one of the reasons why I still practice because it keeps me mentally sharp and it keeps my hands in the game. So I can really have a, a, a human being in front of me that I it. It teaches me, and I get lessons every day because I've learned to be how I am by making a lot of mistakes and uh, getting a lot of stuff wrong. But that's how you get really good. Because I, and I have to reframe that for people too. Because when something doesn't work for some some people, they get very disheartened and they get disgruntled. And I'm like, Do you realize that's fantastic information? Because now I know what we don't want to do. That's big. Like we can. We can check that box off and put it aside and we can move to the next one. So it's, I call it like a, a checklist, like a flight manifesto that I'm going to check all these boxes and make sure that they're good. And if they're good, awesome, I'm going to put them aside. But if they're not good, we're going to we're going to put a box there and address it. And there's always more than one box. There's different systems, but that the basics and fundamentals are sort of big, right? I and mean, if you want to take off with an airplane, you got to OK, do you got wheels on this thing? Do you got fuel and do you have a pilot? Like if you don't have that, I don't care what you do to anything else. They have to have those. And so that's what I do is I go through these checklists. And very often I find that there's some missing components. And that's why it seems so simple. But human beings, here's the thing that's funny, especially in health and education, is that part of the thing that makes it uh, mysterious or mystique is they overcomplicate it. Cause they feel like you need somebody in a white coat to explain it to you. Not so much. It can make it really, really simple for somebody to understand. And every human being should have the ability to take care of themselves and understand how their body works. And you can do that for them and make it simple. And sometimes I have to keep telling myself that because everybody says, I can't believe that it was this simple to make a difference. When I just rub these six places, you tell me to slap here. Wow. I don't get it. And then they think, if it was that simple, why didn't somebody tell me this before? And my answer is, that's a really good question. You should ask them that because they should have. And effective things don't have to be complicated. And the solution doesn't have to be complicated to work. It's all about really understanding what the body needs to heal and recover because It's what does it. I mean, we help it along and sometimes we just got to get out of our own damn way and it knows exactly what to do. We call that an innate intelligence. That's why you can cut your finger and it heals itself. If you help it and make sure that you clean it out, then it it carries the load the rest of the way. Right. And that's really what I'm trying to, to do when I when I work with people is give them simple and fundamental things. And they feel so scared or intimidated because it's medicine or because it's the body. And I actually will teach them like new languages and, and new reframes for something. And then that's really an important skill to have that. What's the word I'm looking for? The belief in yourself that yes i I can do this, and I can help myself get well, and uh, you're only going to get to that point when you hit rock bottom most of the time, right, and then you realize okay this is this is all on me, and one of the things that I've found, and I've focused on a lot this last year with the pandemic is really choosing my thoughts carefully and my language and my words carefully. And the ones that I say to myself, of course, because they're the most important ones, but also the words that I choose when I'm speaking to another person, because uh, that's really, really important. Um, changing the language or the, the speed of your talk or the tone of your words, that's extremely powerful in relationship to uh, making somebody feel comfortable or safe or feel feel threatening with how you communicate. With them, and then in medicine, it's very interesting that they use all these big fancy words and all these Latin names when they name body parts. And that's actually one of the reasons that they did it is because it it makes it seem more complicated than it is to call something a biceps brachii, which is basically your your bicep muscle here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell I, when I teach you, you may have seen me do this. Is I tell people is that I'm more concerned that you don't, I'm not, I don't really care if you know the names of all the parts of your body. I just want you to know how they work together because I got news for you. Medicine knows a lot about names. They don't know how a lot of stuff works together either, They they know how different systems work by themselves or parts work by themselves. But I'm like, I don't know if you went to the same class I did, but nothing works by itself. Every system interacts with each other. There's no solitary, isolated injury or healing in the body. It doesn't exist. So when I say, okay, if you press on your knee, what are you pressing on? Your answer better be yes. Everything. <laughs> like it's just you name it, you're pressing on it. So I would tell people, okay, you've got a biceps brachii, which is your, your arm muscle, the Arnold Schwarzenegger bodybuilder muscle. And you got a left one and you got a right one. Okay. And they always talk to each other. And then you got whatever body part you want to name. Let's just say your trapezius on the left. Okay. So they're they're two separate things, but they're not. So I tell people, forget biceps brachii, forget trapezius, because you're like, oh, how am I going to remember these things? I say, okay, I want you to call your biceps brachii a a scissor. So you've got scissors on the right, and I want you to call your trapezius your iPhone. So I'm putting an iPhone on my shoulder and uh, a thing here. So now. Because the body doesn't care what the hell you call them. It just wants to know, do you understand how the scissors and the iPhone can relate to each other? Yes or no? And then they're like, oh, well, that makes complete sense, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Because we get so caught up in the language of something and we feel that we can't do it. And part of it's because we haven't studied it. We haven't taken the time to learn Mind. And
0: it, I think it even, it even expands into the connection of what you've been speaking of, water, sleep, food, movement, and how that all actually also kind of energy, thoughts, mindset, it all connects. And, you know, and, and medicine is so isolated. I mean, some people study fast twitching muscle fiber.
1: Right. Right. But then
0: they don't talk to the person that that studies the slow twitching muscle. And then it's like, <laughs> we have all these people that are experts in these very specific, and they spend their lifetimes, right? Mm-hmm. Writing documents and thesis and putting and getting Nobel prizes for discoveries of something that at the end of the day doesn't really matter much to common folk, especially if you're somebody that's having a pain. Do you think I care what type of fiber is hurting? I just want to... Right. To take the pain away. So, you know, the simplicity, I have to tell you that I've been teaching my clients the techniques that I've learned. Some of them, the, the, the simple or the big, that we do the lymph assessment and we do the big six. Nice. And it's, a, it's a life changer. And I always have to remind them, please do it. It's going to take you a minute a day. But it's very powerful and impactful and you're not gonna know until something that was hurting or something that was uncomfortable is not uncomfortable anymore because to your point people don't want to believe it because even though you've noticed the lymphatic system is very popular now everybody's doing lymphatic massages and writing books on the lymph mm-hmm. and teaching, but nobody's speaking of it in the way that you speak of it which is it is probably the most important system to be addressing that you can actually do on your own and have a a high impact on your health just by paying attention to this thing we never pay attention to.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. I think it's the most important and neglected system in the body that people are not paying attention to because one, they just don't know about it. Because if you knew what I knew, there's no way in the world you would not be taking care of it. That's why I teach it to you the way that I do, because you'd be like, after I'm done with teaching you this stuff, you're like, wow, this is sort of. Big. I'm like, yeah, it's yes. really big. It's that important for 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 you to do. And you know, medicine is finally catching up. It's been nice to see the transformation of lymphatics over the last five years. Even though it was discovered hundreds of years ago by by an Italian anatomist, and his work was virtually neglected for ever. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, oh well, there it is again, right? And medicine circles back and, and finds it. And uh, but that's been a nice thing to see. Yeah, it's a system that works with all the other systems, but some systems are, they're all important, all the body systems. Otherwise, nature wouldn't have given them to you. There's always a plan and they always work together. And what do I mean by systems? You know about some of them, the nervous system, the immune system, the cardiovascular system, the musculoskeletal system, all of those. And we have specialists for each one. Yeah, you know, like you said, you you have the the heart doctor, you know, and then you've got your gastroenterologist, and they there's two different people. But those systems, they all work together. But we don't we don't look at it that way, and we we break things down to understand them, which you should. That's called reductionist thinking. We take something big and we break it down really really small, and if we figure. If we break it down to understand the minutiae of the small parts, you'll understand the mechanism. Wrong. You're not going to have a clue because mm-hmm. when you put all those things together, they change what they do because they're interacting with other parts now. That's called a complex system. And the body is a complex system. That's interrelationships of different things that work together and support each other. And then, throw that complex system in behind different personalities mm. and different stories and different cultures. Then you change it up even more different environments. Like your body is going to function completely different. If I put you in a hot room as composed as opposed to a cold room,
0: mm.
1: you're not going to notice it because you just shiver and you sweat, but that really significantly changes how everything works together and what has to change. So that's why we get lost in medicine is because we're looking for one. uh, We break things down and try to find one thing to blame for what's going on. Right. Like, okay, step on nail. That's the reason that my foot hurts. And we look like that for autoimmune disease. You ain't going to find it that way. It's impossible. There's never just one cause for it. There's so many different factors that work together. And here's the thing. Everybody could have the check marks on all the same factors and one gets sick and one doesn't. What's the difference? Well, the difference is their whole life story up to that moment. And maybe they had, they were, had a little bit more left in the tank to deal with that. And somebody else exhausted their ability to compensate and adapt. And now the only way that they can let you know that they need help is to send you the help signal, which is pain
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and suffering. So that's not there to punish you. it's it, It's there to tell you, I need for us to change something. And then that's yeah. when we say, what? And my answer is, yes, you better change something. (laughs) I don't care how big it is or how small it is, but it needs to be something. And that's when I tell people a big part of that something is the checklist. What's my sleep like? What am I drinking like? What's my nutrition like? Am I moving? I mean, am I in a toxic relationship? Am I doing something for work that I can't stand and I'm just pushing through, but my body is paying the price? Am I ashamed of A body part. Do I hate myself? Do I not love myself? Because if if you're ashamed of yourself, and you don't love yourself, you ain't never getting well. I don't care Mm -hmm. what you do, because the cells always listen to that self-talk and they take commands from your perception of the world and your perception of yourself. That's that's the power of choosing. Right.
0: A hundred percent. And even I mean, shame and guilt can cost so much havoc wreck so much havoc and cause illness in the body and for me oftentimes that's that's when we hit the jackpot is when I manage to hold space long enough for a person to retrace the events that have happened in their life and find the moment when the thing happened that it started at all because we also tend to block that out it's like oh all of you know how had, I had um uh, a client and she had had an autoimmune and they of course didn't know why and it was a, a, a big one she, she lost function of her arms it was all allocated to her arms mm-hmm. and um but they never figured out why and she was taking all this medication nobody ever addressed her diet immediately when we started working I adjusted how she was eating she started to feel better we're get, getting you know making progress but still there's there's this thing we have to figure out, right? And all I asked her one day was, so when they discovered the diagnosis, autoimmune, describe what happened. What were you doing? It's like, oh, I was in college, and I was in law school, and I was super stressed out because it was finals, and I had broken up with my boyfriend, and I found out, and it, it was like this perfect storm of events happened in her life, and her body just went, boom, and and that was it, Right. And once like you realize that that's what causes? it's not that you, there's nothing wrong with your body. There's nothing broken about you. It's not that you ate something bad or, or did put something in your body. It was that storm of events caused so much stress and so much trauma that a, a flip switch, you know, one of the breakers yeah. flip. And in all this time, rather than somebody supporting her in reverting that they were just medicating it. And I remember we worked together for a few months and eventually she had her checkup with her doctor and it was the same doctor she had had for probably eight years, more or less. And he said, your blood work is great. Your autoimmune is in remission. You look fantastic. What have you been doing? And she's like, oh, I've been working with this woman. She just taught me how to eat. And the guy tells her, you could have asked me about nutrition. I could have told you. And she's like, I've been seeing you for eight years and all you've given me is medicine. And I feel like that's how disconnected because you had exactly what you said. They minimize things to a certain body part or a certain aspect. And because all humans may have that same body part, then all humans have the same cause and the same treatment.
1: No, completely wrong. Yeah. You can have the same diagnosis, for instance, but a completely different pathway on getting it. Right? Yes. And then you got to be careful because a lot of people, when you give them a label, they become that. And it's usually all the bad stuff that goes with the label. Cause you get it. And then it's a confirmation. It's like, okay, now at least I know what I have. And then that actually in some weird way for you, um, answers a question and you're like, Oh, Okay. At least I have an answer, but then you'll go in and you'll go on Google and then you'll look at every bad thing that goes with it. And then before you know it, you start to manifest every bad thing with it mm-hmm. because you have it. And then now you expect the next thing to go. And it's, it's a law of attraction. It's the you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of that. And it happens all the time. Um, Cause there's, there's times where people who've, who've been misdiagnosed with something and then they say, it's not that. And then all of a sudden they feel better. They're healed. <laughs> right. I mean, so it, it, it happens all the time. Because there's no, in the pain science world, they see there's no correlation to physical damage of tissue and pain. As many people can have damage to tissue, but they don't feel pain at all. And there's people that they can't find anything on an X-ray or an MRI, but they can't move.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, there's no correlation. But unfortunately, when people see something on there, for instance, then it becomes the answer and then they stop looking for anything else. So, I see that with back pain all the time and they see a herniated disc. That must be it. Well, maybe, but maybe not. Right. <laughs> or somebody says, Oh, you've just got arthritis in my hip because I'm 50. And I'm like, Well, how old's your other hip? <laughs> That's the same age, right? It doesn't have the same arthritis in it, so it's not to do with age. It's it's adaptation and compensation, right? So those things that you go to medicine these days, and they'll tell you, which is one I absolutely hate, is that you're just getting older. Line. Somebody ever gave me that line? I'm finding a new doctor yesterday, and I'm leaving them quick, fast, and in a hurry. Because they're setting you up with that same mentality. Because you're you're not supposed to be tired, fatigued, lethargic, and then stiff and tight and losing your memory or those things as you get older because you're getting older. Society sets that up for you and you expect it, right? Mm-hmm. But you should have a lot of energy and a lot of movement and a lot of vitality and then that's stuff that is your your everyday habits and your behaviors, even to your thought process of things because people can think themselves to feel better you can think yourselves to feel worse you know that's yeah, you true can,
0: you can think yourself young you can think yourself old, you can think yourself you know something that I see a lot is when people start eating well and breathing properly and moving properly, they reverse age yeah. I, it's- they go back in time. And when I show them the photos, like, okay, look at your skin, look at your face. Look at, it's a younger body. It's a younger face just by, to your point, something you said earlier, getting out of your own way. All you have to do is hold space for your body and provide the proper nutrition and support. And the body does it itself. We're just always in the way.
1: Yeah, we are. So your body can only work with what you give it it has a grocery list that it needs and you're only going to be able to make cells out of the raw material that you feed it one in your head and two through your mouth so you better really be careful what you choose to stick in that hole because that's going to influence what your every cell on the body does and it's it's the old giga garbage in garbage out like if you put bad fuel in, you get crappy stuff out, right? And then here's what many people need to understand as well is that if you put good food in and, and nutrients, that's awesome. But your cells use those nutrients, right? So that's their fuel. And you are trillions and trillions of cells. And They use that fuel, and then when they're done with the fuel, they have to go to the bathroom too, just like you do. We call that waste. So I tell people, basically every single one of your cells pees and poops too. Mm -hmm. And where does that stuff go? Uh, Inside you is where it goes. And then it's got to get out, right? So even good stuff becomes toxic when it can't get out. Mm-hmm. After it's used, that's why the lymphatic system is so important because its main job is to get rid of all that cellular pee and poop that's there. And you do it other ways, too, through going number two to the bathroom, urination, uh, sweating, all those things like that. That's why exercise and movement and sweat helps you detoxify. Breathing is so powerful because one, it's the fastest way to reset your autonomic nervous system to relax you. But two, breathing actually helps through the exchange of carbon dioxide and oxygen to eliminate toxins through when you breathe out. They call Mm -hmm. that oxidative stress. Most people don't breathe because they hold their breath when they're under stress or Two, they overbreathe. they breathe too much, and you have to find this like sweet spot that's in the middle that works for you. That's why you can tell somebody and why you mentioned before is that if you just pay attention to your breathing, it can make a difference. And here's one of my favorite things that I teach people: awareness. Mm-hmm. that you can't change something until you become aware of it. And here's the beautiful thing. As soon as you become aware aware of something you've already changed it. They call that the observation effect in physics. As soon as you look at something it's changed. Cuz people say, "Well, how do I work with my limp?" Well, this is the first step. Now you know how important the limp is, right? And then you <laughs> cuz you don't know what you don't know then you move down and then you start to learn and you empower yourself and you find different ways. And this is really important. to something I want to cover is that there's no one best way to do anything for everyone. That changes all the time, depending on the context and the person that you're dealing with. So, There's a lot of different ways to do things. I don't believe that there's a right way to do something or a wrong way to do something. There's just different ways to do something. Because you could actually do something to a patient yesterday that was awesome, but you do it again today, it's not so awesome. You did the same thing, but you get different results. So it wasn't that yesterday was good, this one was bad. It was just maybe today is, okay, they had a little bit more stress today than yesterday. They weren't ready for a treatment today. Or, you know what, I actually didn't drink my water today. Then you get different results. So we we can't beat ourselves up because something didn't go and work out the right way. There's always some usefulness to something. So something doesn't have to be good to be useful. You follow? Like most of the useful things that we learn from are not good things. They're bad things because then you know what not to do. Like Mm -hmm. probably not a good idea to touch the stove again right? (laughs) because that's how you learn your lesson. And then that's what pain is. Pain is telling you uh, limits and boundaries and you can discover one, but that's what stop chasing pain means too. pain only tells you that there is a problem. It doesn't tell you what it is or where it is. That would be too easy, right? Why go to school? If I could just treat where it hurts, that's not hard. I'm just going to do something to where it hurts. That's when you have to put your thinking cap on and think, okay, well, why is it hurt here and why did it choose now to hurt? And then let's go back a little bit and ask well, what happened before what happened, which is what you did to the client that you said, take me back to what was going on in your life before you got sick. And you're probably the only person that asked her that question. I know you it's are
0: So sad.
1: But yeah, yeah, it is. Right. And then that's what we need to do. And I learned a long time ago, one of my greatest professors told me, he said 90% of your diagnosis is going to come from before you even touch the patient Mm -hmm. when you talk to them and you watch them and you observe them and you listen to them and the other 10% will come when you put your hands on them. And when you feel the tissues, that's a lost part of medicine today is the human interaction through communication and also through touch. Cause right now what they do is they only have a few minutes to spend with you because the system is broken and then they automatically want to go to some quote unquote objective test that says your blood work is fine. And here's what I'm going to say. I don't care if you tell me my blood work is fine. When I press on this person's abdomen, they jump off the damn table. Mm. That's not normal. That is telling me there's inflammation in the system somewhere and it's manifesting itself somewhere. Or there's Somebody has this withdrawal response. That is a human, that is a reflexive withdrawal survival response to protect yourself. You're not supposed to have that happen when somebody touches you like that. All right. And that, so that's telling me already that the body is in this survival, fight, flight, freeze, freak out mode. My post is very, very simple. It doesn't matter what your diagnosis is that you come in to tell me what you got. I know it's from one thing, inflammation that's in the body that won't go away. Mm-hmm. And then I have to look at, okay, well, why won't it go away? And what's causing the inflammation? And sometimes the inflammation is your own thought process, because when you think threat, when uh, ex- you have a survival threat to yourself, it's like an existential threat. It's a crisis for yourself. And every single part of your body goes into lockdown mode and it stiffens up and it tightens up and it goes into survival and it doesn't have any room left for growth and recovery because it says, okay, we got two choices here. We can either live and, and not die, which is the main goal, or we Mm -hmm. can slow down and grow and recover. Mm -hmm. And the body says, how about we don't die first? (laughs) I like that. So you get stuck in that mode, and cells can't do both at the same time. They have to do an either or. That's why rest and relaxation and sleep and all those things are so important. Because if you don't have sleep, you're gonna if a couple of days of sleep, you go through psychosis, you go through breakdown, and you you die. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's also the time which is awesome, where your lymphatics work the most—that sleep.
0: And so many people want to skip on that sleep. One of the main, one of the questions I often get, oh, you know, I'm feeling so tired. What do I do about that? What can I eat? What what should I, like, you got to sleep. Your body is telling you that you're tired, you have to sleep. And that sleep is when you recover and when the body rebuilds. And it's, it's, you know, it's often the simple things like you were saying in the beginning. Something else that I want to highlight that I learned from you is, you know, number one, as human beings, I feel that we are wired to be on on um, defense mode because yeah. you know, not so long ago, our bodies were the same a hundred thousand years ago, and we were under more threat. But so our wiring is that. But with the amazing computer that we built, we call a brain, we can manage that better by understanding that. Okay, as a human being. Stress is a natural response that I have to anything that comes my way, but I'm going to work with that. And then using that to your advantage and when pain or discomfort, discomfort arises in the body, rather than try to not die and push it away or numb it, it's almost like diving in and being more curious about it and, and, and thinking. So I think your job is not only to uh, uh, being a teacher, you're a curious person because every time you encounter a new situation and i if if everybody would approach approach themselves in that way is i'm just going to be so curious about everything that happens in my body and i just want to know rather than numbing it and medicating it i just want to know the why of everything it will be such a different world
1: yeah you come from that standpoint of curiosity right and and wanting to discover things and that that's what the (sighs) here's the thing that I've discovered is that people are usually not aware of their body until something hurts. Mm -hmm. And pain is a way that your body makes you aware. It's the, it's the subtle tap on a shoulder, which is the tightness. I posted that on Instagram today, you know, tightness and pain is a really effective strategy for your body to, to help you notice it. It's like, Hey, (laughs) <laughs> don't forget me over here. And, uh, so, but what we do is we shrug it off or we say, ah, oh, you know, the, the words, maybe it'll go away and it probably will because the body is designed to adapt and it's very resilient. That's called compensations and it'll do whatever it has to do. It's like, Oh, I'll make a subtle, I'm going to hike your hip up a little bit on the left and I'm going to turn your foot out about 10 degrees. No worries, man. You're good. And then it just gets stuck there and then it it stays there for months or whatever. And then all of a sudden the body says, this strategy, that's starting to go. I can't do that anymore. Then all of a sudden you'll get pain and the compensation points because your ankle will hurt. And then now this will hurt. And then next thing you know, you've got five or 10 things far removed from the original issue. And then everybody goes after the most recent issue. Or they
0: tell you, ah, you're just getting older.
1: Right. And then what I do is I go after the pain that you don't know about, right? That's one of the things that's on my Instagram channel when I tell people is that we go after the pain that you don't know about to help the pain that won't leave you alone. And that's a really powerful statement that people need to understand because when people come in to see me and they, they say, oh, my shoulder hurts right? Well, you already know that area hurts because it hurts. And then you're going to do something to that region. But I'm going to treat that, of course, because one, you expect me to treat it. So I do it more for your mental health than anything else. <laughs> and then I'm going to look outside of it. And what I do is I'm going to do what I call an awareness exam, which means that I'm going to look out, observe, talk to, or press on all the other body parts, you know, 99% of the body parts that you have that you're not complaining about. And what I'm looking for is there's going to be one, if not multiple areas, that hurt more than your shoulder hurts. That you had no idea once I stick my finger there. And that's my point. It's not supposed to hurt when I stick my mm-hmm. finger there. And I'm going to contend that your shoulder might hurt because that could be the compensation point for all the other areas you didn't know about. Right. And that's a huge takeaway for people because most of the time they don't consciously feel that pain. You follow? Mm -hmm. They consciously feel the shoulder pain. They don't consciously feel the other areas. Like one that I press on all the time is the sternum and the abdomen. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, uh, but 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 they subconsciously, subconsciously, the body always knows it hurts. Mm-hmm. You just don't consciously know it yet.
0: Well, it, it's, you said once in our interactions, just because you didn't feel it, it doesn't mean that it wasn't there because the body is so, loves you so much that it's not flaring up all the pain points at once because otherwise you you wouldn't move. You wouldn't be able to to do anything, so you gotta go find it.
1: Right, yeah, you gotta search for it, you gotta, you gotta go, that's what, so you treat pain, but you don't chase it. If, first of all, if pain ricochets all over the place, doc, today it's in my shoulder, now you know, you treat the shoulder, now it's in my hip. If it ping-pongs all over the place, that's that's full body inflammation, so I always go to lymphatics and blood circulation for that right away. Or somebody's stuck in what we call this sympathetic fight, flight, freeze mode, where you just got so much high tension in the body that you fluids can't flow. So when you get really, really tight everywhere, fluid doesn't move well in the body. And human beings are mostly liquid. Mm. And if you restrict fluid flow in the body, I'm going to tell you right now, that's not going to work out well for you. You're, you're gonna feel pain somewhere and it's usually far removed from where the restriction is
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: what that's what people that's why we do this awareness exam for people and um, that because I said you can't change something until you become aware of it mm-hmm. and here's the th- here's thing I look at it too I'm I'm not the first person that people usually end up coming to see when they have an issue. I'm usually the last person. Yes. They've gone all the traditional routes that are fantastic and are very helpful and have helped a lot of people or should help a lot of people, but they haven't. Or they helped, but it kept coming back. So they're still missing component. I'm the person, you know what? I've tried everything else. I'll give this guy a shot. He's got some crazy stuff I've never seen before. What else have I got to lose? And to me, I've I've structured my whole uh, practice that way. And when you come in to see me, what I'm not going to do is what everybody else has already done. Because if it's what you needed, you wouldn't be standing in front of me asking me for help. So I honestly think that what people come to see me for is not necessarily the therapy that I do, but the way that I think.
0: Mm.
1: Because here's the kicker. Your therapies are based on how you think. Right? And so my thought process of looking at why this may be happening to you But it also uh, makes a difference on what type of therapies you you choose, but also where you put them and then what order you choose to do them in, which is also a big thing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That makes a huge difference on the success of something because you can have the greatest tool in the world, but if you're putting it on the wrong spot, I don't care how great the tool is, it's not going to make a difference. And that's why this exam is so important. And one of the things that we discussed with your back is, A lot of people who have back pain, where do people focus? On On the the back. back. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, that's logical, right? And and you should, but if you keep treating there and it's not getting any better, that's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So what I'm going to do is the complete polar opposite, which means what's the, the complete polar opposite side of the low back? the front. That's your abdomen. (laughs) And then I ask people, did anybody check your abdomen? 99.999% of the time, the answer is going to be no. Why? Because it doesn't hurt. How do you know it doesn't hurt? That's a good question. I have an idea. How about I stick (laughs) my fingers in there and see if it hurts? And then if you jump off the table, table, there's your answer. Or, Uh, That's what I ask. Do you have constipation? Do you have acid reflux? Do you have irritable bowel disease? Do you have an ulcer? Do you have any inflammation there? Have you had surgeries in your abdomen? Had you had a C-section? Have you had a gallbladder removed? All these things like this. And then then if you've got inflammation anywhere in that abdomen, it's going to inflame the nerves that come out of your spine. And then that can travel to your lower back because it's all connected, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why you have to look at the whole system. And there's a, there's, it's really funny is that whenever you go into a doctor's office for the first time, you have to fill out paperwork, right? Mm-hmm. And they give you a history. It's called a systems history <laughs> where it's, I'm going to look at, you know, they've got it broken out. Have you had this? Have you had this? Blah, 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 blah. And, all that stuff matters to me because if I see check boxes on all those other systems, that's going to give me a really good insight into how your body, what your body has been dealing with over the course of its life and how that may relate to this knee. Mm -hmm. that won't get better. Even after you've been going to six months of therapy and it may or may not be the answer. How am I going to know? Well, I'm going to try um, my approach and then what I'm going to get is neither a good or a bad result. I'm going to get information. Mm-hmm. And the information is going to tell me, Perry, you nailed it. Boom, <laughs> that was it. Good job. Or it's going to tell me, Nope. Sorry. Cause I'll, I'll say, how did that, how did you feel after that? Uh, no different. As soon as you tell me no different, I already know one thing. That's not it. Mm-hmm. If you give the body what it wants, it'll tell you quick, fast, and a hurry. If you got it right. If you don't give it what it wants, it'll tell you that too. So I'm looking for either things get better or things get worse because things often get worse before they get better. Cause that's just change. What I don't want to see is when you tell me nothing changed. Mm hmm then that is an absolute zero path I'm gonna go down. I'm never gonna repeat the same thing twice if you got no change on it, right? Because here's the thing with the body, it's very easy to make a change because that's that's stimulation. That's input into the nervous system. It's going to change. Here's the question you need to follow up with. Does it last? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't last, you gotta keep digging deeper. You gotta continue. And, for me, I didn't like the traditional model of three times a week for four weeks and two times a week for four weeks and one time a week for four weeks with therapy. First of all, who would the hell made that up? Like, why are you some wizard that says that's the way it's got to be? Why can't I see them once or twice and have them be good? Why does it have to be that? And then maybe it's taking that long because you're not looking at the right thing. You ever thought about that? And then why does everybody get the same plan? Yeah. It, it should be based on what you, what you see in the results that you get. And I tell everybody right from the get go, when I treat them, I'm going to see you four times. If I don't make a change for some significant change by four visits, there will not be a fifth mm-hmm. because I got nothing left in my wheelhouse. I got nothing, no other way to look at it, but I will try to send you to somebody else that may have a different way of looking at it than I do because they might have the answer. And then they got mad respect for that because they're like, deal, I'm in. Let's, let's see what we got. Because I, I'm never going to duplicate something twice during the four visits unless I get that significant change.
0: Yeah, and it, I think it, it completely changes the game because it's not about having somebody have to come to you all the time. I don't want that. I want you to not need me. And And you said that earlier as well. I want that after we're done, you don't need me. I don't need... I don't. I don't want your money. I want your well-being, and that's a that's a game changer when it comes to treating people, um, and their their health and and giving them a sense of confidence that okay, I feel like I'm in the right place now because this guy actually doesn't want to see me more than four times. You know, it's it it puts in, and it goes back to that same mindset effect that you also are invested in figuring it out and no more than. Than for four times that I see you, you know, right,
1: and I'm willing to lay it on the line and say, you know, I, I'm going to give you everything I got for four visits um, because it's not about me and it's not about my ego at all. It's just like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you. And if the best help for you is someone else, I'm going to tell you that. Right. Um, but I usually uh, I usually will find the answer most of the time. With it. It doesn't mean I'm going to have you. First of all, I don't like the word fix because fix implies broken. Mm-hmm. And also it implies cure. And I tell people, there's no such thing in my world as a cure because a cure implies you're never going to get it again. It, there's always, there's management. You're either going to have it or not have it based on your habits and behaviors and your lifestyle from today and tomorrow. Right? So you can manage something to where, Hey, this is awesome. I haven't, I've managed to have no back pain for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that, that wording is really, really important, but I'll have a really big piece of the puzzle by four. It may take me more than that to get you to where you need to be. But, um, usually I'll find the answer because I, I go down some crazy pathways in the anyway, and then, uh, if I don't have an answer on the crazy pathway, I'm going to go to some of the absolute crazy, crazy pathways. (laughs) That's when we start to really go. There are no boxes in that realm, right? Because what do you got to lose?
0: I mean, you had me, you had me breathing a certain way. You had me knocking on my throat. You had me getting up and down from the ground. It was all these and, and they would work and then it was like oh but now something else hurts it, it was that you know it started with the back and then my neck was hurting then my ankle and with with each one we never addressed the pain point but I feel like I could talk to you for hours i wish you would had a, would have like a school that i could go to and just <laughs> take classes every day but i'm sure we'll end up having more of these conversations but I would love for you to share um, with our listeners, what do you do to manage your well-being? What are your your daily rituals and non-negotiables?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Well, I mean, I always do what I teach other people to do. Uh, I do... I wake up pretty early in the morning, usually four every day, because that's I love to be up early. That's when I have the most energy, and I like to be up when the rest of the world is asleep. I can think the best in the morning, and I do several things. Um, One, I always read. I always read, and I don't go anywhere near the news or anything like that. It's always books. So I'll read. And then I'll hydrate in the morning. So I always drink a a glass of water with a little lemon in it and a couple of drops of what we call trace minerals or fulvic and hemic minerals to get the minerals into my body. And I do my big six lymphatic reset. So I do those six regions of the body. And then uh, I always do uh, infrared. I have an infrared sauna at home, a little portable one that I have. I'm jealous. And I go on that every morning uh, as well. I'm like that old army commercial where they say we do more before 5 a.m. than most people do all day. That's kind of like me (laughs) because that that sets the tone for the rest of the day. So so I'm ready to go when I do that. And that makes a big difference, too, on how well you might sleep. So I saw somebody once said how you how well you sleep is dependent on how you wake up which means what do you do with yourself during the day is going to determine how well you sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. So instead of trying to change sleep, because you'll focus on sleep and you won't sleep because you're focusing on sleep. uh, Right. It's like, it's like, don't think about a white elephant. Well, that's all I'm going to think about. (laughs) So, then what you do is you change what you're doing during the day with some of those habits and behaviors that we talked about. And then maybe that'll be the catalyst for you for those. So I know I'm getting off on a tangent, but um, those are the, the biggest things that I do. And then once I'm done with uh, that, I'll do journaling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always write in a journal, my, my thoughts for what happened uh, the day before and some thoughts for today. And whenever I read, I always write when I read. So I, I'll read and then I'll highlight something and then I'll write it in a journal so I can go back to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's how I start my rituals every I love day. That. And I don't it, eat, I intermittent fast, which means I usually go for about a 16 hour fast. So I only eat eight hours of the day. So I usually have my last meal at 6 PM and I don't eat until the following day at like 10 a.m. Uh, that worked out really, really well for me on my inflammation, honestly. And I, th- I think I made toy around now with, um, just having two meals a day and I'm going to see how that goes, right? Cause mm-hmm. it's a little different for everybody. Not everybody does well with fasting. So you have to keep it. When people ask me about a nutrition advice, I never give it because it's so individual. It's it's,
0: so individual.
1: Yeah. It's one, one one can work for someone and then be horrific for another. It's it's not one magic diet book that you're going to be able to do. Um, But intermittent fasting worked well for me because your, your your stomach needs a break Mm -hmm. from doing some things. So that's, that's some of my ritual right there.
0: I love that. And it's, it's, is that, that morning routine once, you have it down and it, like you were saying, it sets the tone for the day. That's it. It's like everything else falls into place. So thank you so much for, for sharing all the knowledge and your story today. If somebody wanted to be in touch with you to take some of your courses or come see you for treatment, how can they find you?
1: Well, thank you very much for the, I had a lot of fun. I can't believe it went by so fast. Uh, (laughs) We were saying we're going to get into that flow state for sure. Uh, I'm really easy to find. I probably spend an unhealthy amount on Instagram. (laughs) I like to think it's a healthy uh, habit. Uh, But if you go to Stop Chasing Pain on Instagram, that's where I do most of my sharing. I just love the energy on that format. But I'm on all the social media platforms for the most part. And my website is the central hub for everything. It's stopchasingpain.com, stopchasingpain.com. And then I've got something for everyone from memberships to videos to workshops to webcasts. I got my own podcast, called the Stop Chasing Pain podcast, and there's a little something for everyone on there. And you don't have to be a healthcare professional to get those things. All you have to do is have one criteria. You just need to be a human being, and you can check the win box on my website. You're good (laughs) because that's who it's made for. Just go in there and have fun.
0: You just have to be curious. There's so much information there, and and every every technique every possible nugget of, of information that you share is so impactful and, and, and game changing, life changing. So thank you so much again. Thank you for listening for nutrition, coaching, wellness offerings, and upcoming events. Please visit my website, paolaatlason.live and for daily musings and simple advice, you can find me on Instagram at Wellness. sending love.